When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you are listening or watching this day of, it is Monday, December 25th. It is Christmas Day, so Merry Christmas. If you celebrate it, if you don't, that's cool too. Happy Holidays. Um, I'm going off the cuff here. I don't want to do intros, uh, but this is a rare occasion and very fitting. So these are my personal favorite moments of 2023. I hope you enjoy them. Uh I recorded this the day before, so right now, right now, it's uh, it's Sunday, twenty uh, fourth. It's Christmas Eve. I, I wanted to get the uh, the vibe right, so uh, then I, I was I was thinking like, what what am I gonna do on Christmas? What 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 should I do? So I was out of curiosity. I just went online and then. Looked up what's on what's open. So this is a list I made. Hopefully this helps you out. Just keep in mind that uh, locations and times vary. So make sure to double check. But just so you know, if you want to do grocery shopping like a weirdo, like myself, uh, Albertsons is open. So you want to see me there? I will be there. For convenience stores, you got CVS, Rite Aid, Circle K, 7-Eleven if you need that late night chocolate because you smoke too much weed. Uh, if you need some fast food biceps and it's uh, emergency, McDonald's is open. Um, for restaurants, we have IHOP, Denny's, Benihana. That's a good one. Uh, or if you're horny and hungry at the same time, Hooters is also an option. Um, what I'm personally doing, most likely I'll be going to Domino's. Domino's is open. So uh, check it out. Hopefully that uh, helps you. Kind of crazy with this with this year because Christmas and New Year's fall on Monday. So obviously this came out on Christmas and then we'll be dropping the next EP on January 1st, which is uh, a Monday. And that will be Juan Brujo, the singer of Brujeria. Um, I feel like that's a great way to open up the year. The fucking, the lights went out. Uh, there was a, a mini earthquake. Uh, he was crying at some point. So it kind of encompasses uh, everything that uh, make, makes a great conversation. Uh, so that's something to look forward to. Um, real quick. Uh, I don't know if I said this here before. Have I? I'm, I'm not sure. But if I haven't, we, we, now, we are now dropping another episode a week so me and our drummer ernie will be ranting of every thursday it's looking like so um, look out for that mid-january and we are also after waiting a long time and making sure this was perfect and to add some value um we are adding youtube memberships so uh it's called the heaviest tier of all time because it really is it's like fucking 10 things i made sure there's like more than anyone else. So that, that'll be dropping uh, early January as well. So, uh, yeah, that's that's it. Um, anyway, 
thank you for a sick year. We got through 2023. It's been a very insane year. I turned 38. I'm old, but not old at the same time. So uh, anyway, hope you enjoy this. And uh, until next time, thanks. EMG pickups because they help you get the heaviest tone possible. Head over to emgpickups.com and use my promo code HEAVY at checkout and get 15% off. And then once you write the heaviest song of all time, head over to distrokid.com slash VIP slash Garza and save 30% off your membership to get all your songs on all streaming platforms. And now to the heaviest podcast of all time. When we did the Slayer tour, we were nervous that we were going to get like booed off stage or people were going to chant Slayer because that's mm -hmm. back in the day when you open up for Slayer it was hard because mm -hmm. everybody was like you know the whole crowd where well, you're playing like Slayer Slayer like you know just get the fuck off yeah. we want to see Slayer yeah that's pretty much how it was so we were nervous and we came out and we were like whoa nobody said nothing everybody everybody loved it nothing I was surprised not one Slayer chant nothing we were surprised how many people were there for us and it was great yeah, but Fear Factory is heavy, dude. Heavy. Yeah, it was you know during the shock obsolete era. Come on. So yeah, it was. Was that you know what I, I actually never asked but you? But still, it. you know, I mean, I seen other bands open up for Slayer and they just got killed. Like which ones? I don't want to mention. Oh. Names. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I'll tell you one. System of a Down, they opened up for Slayer, and that was when they were still wearing their makeup and stuff, and mm -hmm. they got a lot of um, a lot of uh, you know Slayer chants. Was the first record already out here or no? I'm sorry. What was was the first record already out yet or no? Yes, it was out. Uh, their their system of down record. Yeah, yeah. self titled right. Self -titled. Yeah, so the first one, whatever it was called. I guess yeah, that wouldn't really go well with the Slayer crowd. I guess you know. Yeah, it's just I, I it wasn't just them. It was other bands too. It happened to a lot of bands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but you guys are heavy though. Yeah, we mm -hmm. managed we managed to make it work, and it was a great time touring with those guys. Super cool. Everybody was super sweet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but I, but you lay down like like a foundation. It's kind of weird saying super sweet about Slayer, right? Yeah, <laughs> super sweet <laughs> but they, guys. But they were just nice. Sweet. They were just super nice guys, man. Very accommodating. A lot of Jaeger. A um, lot of Heineken. They drank a lot of Heineken, and uh, Tom Rea smoked a lot of weed, so he was on our bus every day smoking weed. What was the best piece of advice that that Dave gave you? Network, and always always uh, try to be in control of your stuff. Mm. But he said network. That was the first thing, network. network. So that's what I did. I went out and networked, went to concerts, started meeting musicians, meeting people who work at record companies, mm. just started hosting parties at my apartment, so inviting these people, and eventually the people started coming. And it was great, mm. just hanging out, knowing all the all the drug dealers around. You that, know? That's important. Exactly, for the people who like to do drugs. Yes, exactly. I'm not, <laughs> that's smart. I'm not dude. into that, but... That is crazy. I helped facilitate that in some ways, right? And I just gave everybody a place to hang out and party and have a good time. Bands, anyone that might be a part of the... Music industry, exactly. There mm. was actually... It got to the point where, like, uh, there would be a band that would be coming into town, mm -hmm. or maybe a couple of guys from bands mm -hmm. would come into town because... They had to do maybe publicity, mm -hmm. you know, a publicity tour, you know. They had to come into L.A. for interviews and stuff like that. So the record company people were always like, well, what do we do? We got these two guys from, we got these two guys from, from Paradise Lost. What do we, or we got these couple of guys from Carcass. Mm -hmm. What do we do? Like, uh, how do we entertain them? Bring them to my house. 
So I was meeting the guys from Carcass, Paradise Lost, Napalm Death. I mean, numerous of bands. Early 90s. Early 90s. Fuck. Uh, late 80s, early 90s. Mm. Devin Townsend, when he was in Steve Vai's band, just all kinds of people coming over to my apartment. Shannon Hoon from Blind Melon, everybody from Slayer, you know, uh, Sepultura, Napalm Death, everybody was at my apartment at one point. What the fuck? Yeah. That is crazy. Just partying, having a good time. And I would be the DJ. You're, what would you play? Just everything. everything. Everything from what was popular at the time. It, even if it was like, I mean, it, everything from like early like stuff that was coming out of the Manchester scene. Mm-hmm. I didn't play metal because you had metal guys. That, they don't always want to hear metal. They just want to hear something different. Yeah. So I would play different stuff. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Yeah. That was it. That Dino Diet is so smart, dude. Just have people come come by. And you you have like this endless knowledge and inspiration around you. Yeah, and you know? so you know that's what Dave was saying. It's a network, and so that's what was like okay, network. That's, mm. that's what that. That's okay, that's, that's how I did it. I want to talk about your record of Reign Supreme. And that's like the, that's your seventh record, second with Trey. Um, I mean, Sean, you've been in the band for for like a minute. There was like, was there like a discussion? Because it really felt, sounded like you guys flipped the switch and really, okay, this is Diabetes. Like, was there like a like like a talk about it or you just naturally, all right, let's just get in the room and start jamming? Well, that was kind of an interesting part of my life. And I, I had gotten, not proud to say it, but I got a DUI. I started fucking up too hard on mm. drinking and other things. And I got caught, you know? So... I had, you know, had I went sober for like a year, and that's when that album was written. And I was so hyper-focused on that record. It was like, because, you know, I wanted to drink. I wanted to fuck up. I wanted to do things. But I really channeled everything into that album and really was focused on it, man. I was just, yeah. So, yeah, that, that was that's why it's it's a little bit better than some of the other ones, you know. Just like really put a lot of time and and thought into it, and just I was facing my demons, you know, with, with all that, you know. And um, music was my outlet, so so the album came out really well, I think, because of that, you know. Wow. So I was stone sober, you know, right now. What you the know? Fuck? I was drinking a lot of the monster stuff. I remember yeah. that. That's what happens when you get, when you get you know, like, oh, you know what? All of a sudden, I'm like, know, I got monster and coffee now. Yeah, wow. yeah, Weird. yeah. <laughs> I was so wired. And this dude, I was doing pre pro with Darren Morris. You know, he, we would just like constantly just be at it. I would stay, spend a night at his house, you know, be jamming on shit, then wake up the next day and fucking back at it. And just, he helped a lot with with me with a lot of his ideas as well but yeah that was like a you know now i'm back to smoking weed again and things like that but drink a little bit but i'm not out of hand it, no, it was, you're not i had to put myself in check out of hand. i'll be honest i was doing a little <laughs> bit of the fucking pills and all that stupid shit man because it was it easy happens. i was doing xanax on the road oh no down you know downtime and you know started falling into that trap a little bit and then I got busted, and it was kind of good I got busted because it could have saved my life, you know, who knows, you know. But uh, And in a weird way, that, that record kind of did save like save your life, you know. It did, man. That's, yeah. So yeah. That, that, that record came out in 2012. So what year did you get sober? 
yeah, around that time. It was so it was about 2010, 2011, you know, something like that. Yep. You know, so yeah. What uh, what change did did you guys see? Well, I mean, shit. He got. I mean, John just got a DUI. Like we, like, he's now he's sober, and we're writing, <laughs> writing sick tunes now. You know, did, did like did like did, did like the songs feel like oh this is little, this is a little bit different? I don't know. I kind of felt like a continuation, but a more focused continuation of Descend. Yeah, really? that's me too. To me, like yeah. like huh. Descend was a a bit of a change in the sound. A little bit. Mm-hmm. There were elements that were were not present in previous albums. I think it was the um, studio also and studio stuff, but um, yeah, you know, at yeah. least from me and Sean's perspective, like I considered it more. And John laid it out. You know, he was definitely more focused. He was he was sequestered with Darren constantly, yeah. and like they were just churning out demo. I think the it was Steve Wright studio we went to. It was Descend was the first album with him. Oh, and then Rain is the second album with him. Interesting. And it got a lot better. He knew exactly what we wanted now. He knew the yeah. three of us, our personalities, what, you know, how to push each one of us. And, mm-hmm. you know, we like something totally different. It's pretty funny. You know, yeah. He calls me names. Of course. <laughs> it pisses me off. It right. makes you piss. You're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. 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 That helps me for some reason. Yeah. Right. right. It's just funny where. And then the set, everything got better as far as like tones for everything all the way across the board, I think, with him. Because he knew what we wanted and it got better, I think. So that's the main thing I always notice, you know, from that one album to the next. That wow. was with him. Yeah. So they wait. I mean, hey, let's just let's just see what happens when, when we do this again. You know? Right. Yeah. It, it's crazy with a, with a different mindset. You could do the same thing and have a totally different outcome just by a switch or doing something like slightly different. Yeah, he, he was not a death metal guy either. You know, it's not like he had really a bunch of death metal bands recording with him. No. It was what like, a, uh, What's it like? Gospel, rock, does everything. Does, does everything, right? Everything. Yeah, yeah. It makes a lot of sense. A lot of bands don't do that. Like, you know, you track track your record with someone that doesn't necessarily do metal all the time. Yeah. And it's how you kind of get like that unexplainable something that's like different that will like set, like set your record apart, you know? Yeah. It's crazy. I didn't know it was, it was the same guy. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Steve it got Wright. better and better. So like the last album we just did, the newest one that's not out yet, he, mm. he we, we record it with him, but uh, we have Mark Lewis was mixing it or whatever. So mm. and we we added something different yeah. on the newest album, but the three before were all with uh, Steve at his studio. Sick. Yeah. Well, three and a half. We did a we did the EP. There. Oh yeah, yeah, the EP yeah. also. Yeah. Right, right. Wait, who who mixed Rain? Steve Wright. Steve Wright. So yeah, yeah. Uh, produce mix. Okay, sick. Yeah. It's it's, it's pretty special when they they kind of do all of it, and it's kind of still have that like the, the fresh year. It's hard. It's, it's hard to hit. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. I, I still have a fresh year out there, you know, hanging out with Diane Fiat for about yeah. two months, being, being <laughs> right. pissed off. Right. You yeah. Know, it's crazy. It's it's special, man. Yeah. And, and what and what a crazy time in your uh in your career because I mean that that shit comes out. I mean, what was it like re, like like received well like right 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 out of the gates? Yeah, those two, those two albums were the first times we like got the, what the Heat Seekers yeah, yeah. on like started tracking on at least I don't know. I mean. You guys tell me, yeah, but, yeah. like we started tracking on Billboard, but I also think that had to do a lot with the way the industry had changed at the time. Mm. You know, internet was a little bit more, downloading was a little <laughs> bit more popular. Yeah, you know, so you're, you know, you can sell fewer CDs and track on track. You know, Gaza. In this mm. time, bruv, I've heard a, I've got a few things to ask you about. 
Yeah. Okay. We can we can switch this up for a second. Yeah, you sw- you can switch it up. Um, also, uh, this is one of the only places that people can go. There's literally there's nothing you can ask me, Sick. or it's not there's anything can can okay. can be said. I okay. don't care. You ready? So I heard 1994, you was a uh, playing for the Giants. I was. Yeah. Yeah. And you support the Giants? I heard no, you're I a big don't. fan. I heard you're a big fucking fan, dude. <laughs> no. Next one. I heard. <laughs> I heard you like to hide uh, Reese's in your bandwagon oh, bunk, fuck? dude. Who are you talking about? Hey, yeah, yeah, dude. Don't worry about my source. I'm just saying. I heard that you like to hide Reese's in your bandwagon bunk, dude. <laughs> True or not? Yes or no? Yes. 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 I also heard that the suspension wasn't too good on the bandwagon, and you flew out of that with a bit of speed. Yes. And your back still back's okay. It's 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 better now. Yeah. yeah. It's better. Yeah, it's okay. better. That's it. That's okay. all I got. That's okay. all I got, dude. Appreciate the everybody I, I, loving it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they feel sorry. Oh man, I, fu- I fucking fell out of, fell out of like our bunk, and I I sprained my my big toe. Fucking hell. wait, you fell out of the bunk and sprained your big toe? Yeah. On what? I don't. I fell out. I don't fucking know. But, but you like you're laying down. Like how your how is your know. toe involved? And then like I went down. I hit my shoulder on the the table. I don't, I don't know how things got connected. Mm. I don't know. And I had this big fucking bruise. It was like that. Damn. And I have melted well, chocolate underneath my pillows. It's a weird. It's a weird thing. Uh, chocolate <laughs> under the pillows. Well, dude, Great. bandwagon better Sounds watch sick. out because there's a lawsuit coming for that one. What I do appreciate is. Uh, your four rules of being a man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> be careful. Be careful with that shit. Oh my goodness. Is, they, is the camera still rolling? <laughs> just so when you when you think about this stuff, it's just like, you know what? I'm gonna say it out loud. Cause people Alex, and I don't really think you real maybe I'll I'll I'll, I'll help you realize this. Yeah. Some people wish they can say that. Yeah, and, and this but, is but, crazy. But, but but you actually said it. And yeah. I don't want you actually say it. Jack supported you. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it's Sorry, crazy. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's crazy. Like, nowadays, a lot of people in America just scared to say a simple fucking stuff. Mm-hmm. But there is a reason why they scared. And right now, I understand why. But I don't give a shit. I will say it anyway. You know what, what was, I mean? What was the backlash like? I don't think people can really fathom what it is actually like when the internet comes after you. What do you mean? Uh, like, like what? There's like was there like a backlash? You have a whole community attacking. Attack you. comments or yeah, they start to like uh, send me the uh, message in my DM and uh, comments. A lot of comments, like eight thousand fucking comments. <laughs> <laughs> like it's crazy. And uh, I don't have a problem with uh, LGBT people, like transgenders, gay people, and all this shit. I have problems with crazy people. Mm. you know what i mean like and if you um like i am crazy but i realize that i have a problem like mental problem and all this shit and i walk on that shit you know yes and sometimes i'm wrong and i realize that i Mm -hmm. I accept accept that right Mm -hmm. but a lot of people don't realize that and they try to push that on another people Mm -hmm. and they think they're right but they're not you know and you have to calm down and humble yourself and yes. realize that a lot of people has a very different opinion. But for example, when I was young, I was vegan, right? For six years, I was vegan. And uh, I was like, 
everybody have to stop eat meat actually mm. because it's fucking bad. You, you, you know, you were you were one of them, huh? Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and right now, a lot of people in the LGBT community they think that way. Like mm. you have to appreciate that. You have to respect that. You have to fucking do that. You have to. You don't have to, to tell that, or you cannot say that. Fuck you. I'm gonna say whatever yeah. I want because if it hurts your feelings, I don't give a shit because this is a fucking real world. Welcome. This like, is the real world. Yeah, and, and at the same yeah. time, is like everything you're saying. Nothing is actually like offensive or exactly. violent. It's like or there, disrespectful. There, there, yeah, mm, there's no right? disrespect. And this it is crazy. Yeah. This is this like realizing that makes me like crazy you know what i mean it's like so because it's too far, far. it yeah. goes too far and but people entertain it this is the other thing is i think with a lot of the stuff of people being cancelled mm -hmm. most of the time it's people cancelling themselves you know because once mm. they smell blood once you start apologizing but you don't yeah. mean it for example the situation with cj you know the band pushed him to make this apology video and all this. yeah from virus yeah. murder it's like you it never it didn't work People smell blood and it just split it more, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, I mean, for me, that old dramas inside the bands and all this shit, they just, this is, this, this is their personal stuff, yeah. actually. Mm -hmm. And I, I understand that if you have that band like uh, and make yourself not private anymore and make mm -hmm. your real, like uh, individual life, uh, you show in, like in, in Instagram, public. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. yeah. You, you have to explain some shit to your fans, right? On mm -hmm. another side. But uh, you never know what's happening exactly inside the band. And sure. you start to judge immediately. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you like you fire him, uh, you bad, and all that shit. But you don't know a lot of small things happening inside the band, right? Mm -hmm. And maybe uh, they um, like aggro a lot and fighting a lot. And they have their own truths. And the CJ has his own truth. And sure. this is normal. And mm -hmm. I call it drama. I don't want to be a part of any drama, you know? This mm -hmm. is your personal deal and yeah. stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Personal business. But uh, it goes too far with the fans. Fans start to judge. Yeah. Fans start to go and see your underwear, you know? I want to see your underwear. Yeah. What, what is the <laughs> color, you know? <laughs> this is my underwear, dude. This is just for me and my wife just, or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or something. For me, my wife and my dog. Is yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. Got, and that's, yeah. And, and that's uh, I believe that people judge another people, but they don't see uh, in the mirror and look mm -hmm. at yourself, you know, because everything you talk about that person, maybe you have this. Sure. But yeah. maybe it's a you reflection. don't. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you don't understand this or yeah. you don't want to understand this, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, there is a, which I think, I think deep down, even like the cancel culture side of things, uh, whatever community or race you wanted to throw out and let's throw it all into one pot. Right. I think deep down, they, everybody, humans truly want what you're doing. It's a stand, stand your ground. When you do like, when you do the backpedaling, it's, hey, this yeah. is fucking death core dude this was supposed yeah. to be dangerous Rock. say what the fuck we want yeah. exactly that's it yeah exactly people so people deep down they might get yeah. pissed at you for like a minute or maybe what cj did yeah. was a little bit out of out of control is fine yeah but the whole backpedaling 
that's not what this music is about. I exactly. think deep yeah. down, people want you to stand your ground. Even, mm-hmm. even if you're, uh, if it's your truth, sure. But people don't want you to backpedal. Yes. What, what, what he say, yeah. CJ? He said something like this uh, lady or whatever. He shared, yeah, he shared uh, a like, story. Yeah, from yeah. like some, <laughs> some right wing dude or something uh, yeah. about something to do with uh, a woman. Mm-hmm. But um, what exactly he said? Like uh, this lady deserved to be burned. To, to be burned. Mm-hmm. You really lot. think that he wish he uh, the, the, this lady death or something? Mm-hmm. He's just a normal dude, you know? And sometimes when we talking together, we're talking shit. And yeah, it's just, okay. Yeah, We're it's all fine. talking shit, but it's not serious, actually, you know? And sure. when it goes serious, we bang serious, you know? Mm, yes, but yeah. when, yeah. when you're talking shit, you're talking shit, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. not about you really that guy, you know? Yeah. But that people, like, oh, you really said that? Oh, oh my God. Like, you're fucking sane. You're a God yeah. or you choose this Christ. No, you worse. Yeah. Maybe you, like, Worse than fucking CJ, right? Mm-hmm. Who are you to judge? Exactly. Yeah. Stop it, Who, yeah. please. Stop but, it. But as soon take as, it easy. As mm. soon as you let them take control of that, you're fucked. You, yeah. This is where yeah. you're fucked because now no one will be on your but side. On yeah. another and, side, if you have like big fan base, fucking millions and thousands followers, you have to fucking f- control yourself. Yeah. Like, uh, sure. Think well, before you say something. Okay, right. You're right. There is a proper. Filter, but you're not filtering yourself. Yes, if you have if a responsibility, you do. Yeah, 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 and yeah. yeah, you have to take this responsibility. So I took this responsibility when I had the fucking Black Santa two and all that shit. You know, I took this responsibility, and like when the people cancel me, it's fine because I took this responsibility, and I was yeah. young and I was stupid or maybe some shit, but it's not excuses for me. Yeah, and mm-hmm. in, it is in the past, and I took it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and like uh, it's okay, and I don't blame people. I understand people. I understand this reaction. It's a, just a normal reaction, right? Yeah. But on another side, like people have to like be more kind to each other. You know yeah. what I mean? General, Especially yeah. in totally, music yeah. industry or something. You know? Yeah. yeah. And I believe. And people can actually change. This is the other thing. Like we have a like a justice system that if you do time in prison for example and you come out you know you get another chance at right. life you know you, yeah. you you serve your time people but in, up. The, in the eye of the public is like people do change like maybe i wonder how many people that judge what they were doing when they were 15 that if they were now going to be judged for for the rest of their lives you know yeah. you you deserve to change as a man and yeah, a woman and, and grow you as a have person, to change you know? you're growing you yeah. have to change. You have to. But people don't accept that. Like you always yeah. see, I always see comedians that maybe get a new job, like on a TV show, and people find a tweet from ten years ago or whatever. It's so unfair. Yeah, it just hates this. It's fucking unfair. Yeah, yeah. Because if if you think what cancel culture actually is, it's like humans. Well, humans in general, I mean, are very hypocritical creatures. Oh, yeah. Very, oh, yeah. we are yeah. very hypocritical yeah. every time. Yeah. Yeah. Double standards and stuff. It's so it makes no sense. Okay, so let's say let's say you're right. This man and woman, non-binary or whatever we want to say is, let's say they did like this, this tweet. Okay, great. Right. They're, they're a horrible person, cancel it. But if you think about what canceling is, you're trying to basically take their livelihood away, their money away, 
you want them to not pay rent. Suffer. So yeah. like, you have to not, suffer. You, you, yeah. want, you, yeah. you want their cat, their you, dog, and not have food. You that, don't yes. deserve yeah. any of happiness in your life. Yeah. That is actually Aggressive. more brutal, right? That is more of a bad person. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, that, it makes no yeah. sense to this try This is what to, I'm talking about. Look at no your sense. fucking Literally. mirror. What you doing with his life? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, calm no down. Sense. Jesus Christ, It makes please. no sense. But it's power. It is. Because when it goes this crazy and it's like a mob mentality there is a power to it and and give into it then another thing like they think they can judge who are they to judge you know Mm -hmm. and if people fucked up okay we have the laws we have the fucking that system and if you break the fucking rules you go to the prison or some shit but they think they can judge and they think they can make that rules and if you fucked up now we're talking. Let's let's go, baby. <laughs> you fucking cancel, right? Yeah. You don't have anything. Right People now. get excited. I yeah, see like it. We People, have power. Like, wow, what's going on now? Yeah. You know, and everyone keeps up and is you know the talk. But one week later, it's something else. You know, mm-hmm. that's the other thing as well. It's like you just People need this love quick, drama. Yeah, this quick fix of reality mm-hmm. TV in front of your eyes, and you get to play a part in it by commenting shit or whatever, and your yeah. voice is heard because you can make a new account and comment as much as you fucking want, you know? Right now, mm. I see only fucking drama. Is it crazy to be in the position that we're in where, like, now it's, like, when you hear a new band, you get stoked for them, and you want to help them, as opposed to hearing, like, the new Suey with me, hearing a new Woodchapel, like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are they got up their sleeve now, it's, you know? It's so different now, and uh, I think where, you know, me, you know, me, personally, I want to open up the uh, discussion where I think, like, Whitechapel and Suey really fucked up where we there's like this bubbling up time and we should have toured together and, yeah. we, and we didn't and we toured together but it was, I agree. It, it was it was too late and I think both sides had massive egos yeah and I and I think oh, 100% and we really didn't capitalize or really hone in on that first wave when like we were the bands that should have been touring together we like, were too worried about who was going to play over who versus just doing the fucking tour. It was stupid. Know? Well, because yeah. when you're younger, you do. I mean, your ego gets the best of you. I mean, like mm-hmm. when t- yeah. when you're young and you're getting that kind of attention, like it's and stupid. you're in your early twenties, mid twenties, like yeah, you're gonna have like a little bit of pride and ego and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then you know we're we're older now, and it's just like. And once you get over thirty, all those feelings start to go away. So. The, yeah, the yeah. fuck, the don't give a fuck meter is off the charts when you're at when you're older. You know, like <laughs> yeah. you're just like, <laughs> yep, you're just like, yep, whatever, dude. Yeah. Like you know, you're just, you just, I don't know, you just mellow out and you stop caring about shit so much. You know what I mean? Like you just, it's weird. It's it's true. All it sucks, what our man. parents said, you know, like you know, yeah. you're gonna get older, you're gonna change. Like, nah, they're no, all gonna change. Right. Yeah. I'm always be pissed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything they said was right. You know. Well, hell, even Vincent from Acacia Strain, dude, he's like changed man. He's like different guy now. He's like big old soft, super positive guy now. And like, wow. he was like one of the most like negative people ever. And like, he's like, you know, being like positive now. And it's just like. Yeah, you just get older and life happens and shit changes and I think it's more or less just getting older. Like when you get yeah. older, just there's I can't explain it, just something happens and you just yeah, care yeah, about yeah. completely different things than you did when you were younger. Yeah. And that's why I think it's hard to keep up with all these, you know, young fucking metal and deathcore bands and stuff because it's just back then when you have that that young rage and hatred and drive, it's so easy to just let that brutality flow out of your fucking fingers. But yeah. as you get older, man, it just gets hard to fucking f- 
tap into that fucking inspiration, you know, for mm-hmm. brutality. It's just like, it's like, well, actually, Phil sounds pretty good singing. Maybe we should just like chill out a little bit. Yeah. And then, <laughs> it's just like, and then you night know? in and night out of like screaming. It's just like, yeah. I know that like, you know, there's a lot of information out. Like, you know, with, with the way the internet is now, there's so much in- information out now. But like, I still feel no matter how safe you are with like vocals, doing it night in and night out for years. Years. You're still some gonna, point you're gonna hit. You're a wall, still yeah. gonna fuck something up. Like it's still gonna over time wear you down. And like, I mean, I could be wrong, but like, I I think you know just with anything like it, you know, when you get older, your you know your your joints get weaker. Your 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 bone your bones aren't as strong. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like, and this is this is just another part of your anatomy, mm-hmm. and like doing it night in and night out mm-hmm. for. Yeah month month and a half two months straight and then going back home and then recording an album still doing it practicing you know just over time like yeah your voice is going to get fucking worn out no matter how much technique or practice or you know warming up you do like it's going to wear down over time you know because that's just what we do we start as soon as we're born we start dying you know like true it's just it just is what it is no it's true man and um yeah, so I mean, I'm I'm glad we, I'm glad we got that out of out of the way. And also, I had a very prolonged ego because I um, mean, when we got Eddie, it was kind of like a, like a do over, yeah. trying to like to, to re, of course. But uh, man, it sucks that we, sh- yeah, fuck, yeah, we could have tapped into it, <laughs> tapped in, but, but blew up. But I mean, yeah. I, I like mean, you say, we did, we did end up doing it eventually. Yeah. We did that co-headliner, and it was good. But like you said, I don't think yeah. it was it was as good as if we did it back when See, when we were both shit was blowing up. Oh yeah. god, we're idiots. Yeah, <laughs> and now and now now we get like older, basically like twenty ten, yeah, like yeah. twenty ten or so around in there. If we would have done it back then, both both yeah, trying to win, crazy. and we both lost. Yeah, yeah. It's weird. It's weird how that turned so out. So all you young bands, <laughs> take note of that. For real, dude. Yeah. It just reminds me of like, uh, you know, just something like Tyson and Holyfield. You know, like yeah. you know, when they're younger, they just fucking hate each other. They just want to beat each other. And then they're yeah. old men. They're just like shaking hands, hugging. You know, it's just like, yeah, it's just that's that's how it is. Like when you're younger, you just you just have this because everybody in some way is competitive in some way, of course. And like, mm-hmm. you know, you want to be, yeah, you want to be top. You want to be the the best. And like, that's a subjective thing it's not an objective reality you know it's it's, true it's just no matter how how big you're perceived or whatever doesn't mean you're the best you know like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if that if this band's getting paid more than you doesn't mean that they're better than you you know like it's just it's all Mm -hmm. subjective music is is. 100 110 percent subjective you know and you start to realize that when you get older and i'm unironically wearing the uh Sort of uh, today, I noticed the uh, quintessential brutal death metal uniform. That <laughs> that is that is the uniform, camo shorts, banana pouch. The banana pouch. You want to talk about this for a okay, second? Okay, let's do it. I, I don't. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Okay. I'm gonna be this. We, what do you think's in here? A power, gun, gun, gun to my head. Uh, quarters and panties. No, but it's. Roughly the same size. God, I shouldn't be doing this. This is good. People are gonna think this is gross. What do you think that is? What the fuck is that? This is called a culo clean. What are we talking about right now? <laughs> what is that? 
you take a bottle of water and you put this on top, put this in there. Yeah. It's a portable bidet. Do you have a... Um, why, why do you have a portable... Why do you always carry it with you? You've toured? Uh, yeah. You just live with the chafing in your butthole? Yeah, dude. Oh, dude. No way. I can't. I can't do it. Um, you would think it would get all poopy and, and gross and stuff, but it doesn't. Look, okay. I, he's, he's sitting there looking at me like, dude, this is disgusting. This is, this Look is fucking Kulo clean. Eight ninety nine on Amazon. Um, and I, you okay. know, I, you wash it every time just in, just, to, just in case, just to be, be safe. Okay. And it worked out it's great. It's a thing. Kulo clean. Eight nine nine. You get two for fifteen bucks. What's even more? What's even more bizarre, Travis, is that you actually look for this. You actually look for this thing. Dude, a week before I leave, what happened to you? I had been thinking to myself, forty-eight years old, trying to keep up doing this bullshit. <laughs> you don't got to clean your butt to keep up with the fucking metal scene, man. You do when, when you're walking around going, "Oh fuck, dude." You go to Japan once. I, I went to Japan, played the sh- played the tour, and came back. I, I think we were home for like three hours. Yeah. I was already at Home Depot buying a bidet. So I got used to having bidets. And now I just, maybe I, the the natural calluses that come from. <laughs> now there's calluses. Scraping your butthole with, with paper. Yeah. I mean, come on. This is like obviously the the more, the best way to do it. Actually, uh, to to your credit, I have heard that bidets are, they feel Amazing. Well, yeah, that's what I've heard. I've I have never ever tried it. Yeah, the, this country prides itself on being this, you know, first world paradise or some shit. But we're all, we're all walking around with <laughs> dirty assholes, poopy buttholes, man. Yeah, it's disgusting. But not not you though. No, <laughs> I rock the Kulo clean. Uh, I I have cool. I have uh, what do you call them? Bidets at home. So and you have backups. Both 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 toilets too. And now I have this this um you know. You're like, okay, what, what am I going to put this thing in? Oh, you know, a, a banana, banana pouch. Banana pouch. It's, come on, it's obvious. And then we're going to write our sec- second record, Broke. Like, 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 what was that process like? Yeah, so, you know, Broke was produced by Machine, who went on to, like, do all Lamb of God's records, right? Um, so that was interesting, because that was our first time working in the digital world, mm. you know, where, where before everything was uh, tape, you know? And Machine, like, he came from the hip-hop world and then entered into the rock world. But what he would do was we would create loops with Machine, you know. Um, That was the first record where, dude, we would just take a chorus and then we would find the, the most the most tightest loop of the chorus, and th- and then that would be the chorus, and just copy it. That mm. was the first time we ever did that shit, you know. Or here's a dope verse, copy it. Not like, hey, let's play all through the song like a real band. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like Machine brought that to us, where it was like cut and paste, um, and that really, but that really gave like a, a um, in my opinion, a hypnotic effect to the loops and stuff, because they were just like dance music, you know, just yeah. always the same, just hitting you constantly right on point. Hmm. But um, yeah, so, you know, Broke, we did the first record, and it was five years between the first and second record. Mm-hmm. We were kind of all salty about it, and we were broke, you mm-hmm. know? We signed a million-dollar record deal, and the money had run out, and um, so here we are back in Huntington and um, working on some new shit. Of course, in those days, I used to write a lot of lyrics on the road, too. Um, so, How did you find time for that? 
I don't know, dude. I would just come up. <laughs> I would just come up with shit. At the same time, when I'm thinking of broke, there was a lot of instances where I would uh, write the song the night before. Really? Was, yeah. So it was like, but there was some shit I had from the road, and then, but when I'd hear how they crafted the track, then sometimes I'd have to do a rewrite, and I would just like sit in the hotel in Jersey, which is where we recorded broke, and just. Um, write the song the night before I was going to record, you know, because I had the freshest um, music of, of what was done, you know, and just vibe to that. Hmm. Was there was there any pressure with that at all? There no? was no pressure on Broke. The pressure came on the next record, which where we where we all kind of fell apart yeah. because uh, the label, the guy who signed us left. And so my new A&R guy, I didn't get along with him at all. Mm -hmm. I don't think he even liked Ted P.E. And that so he sucks. would come to my hotel room every night and go over word for word what my lyrics were and be like, no. I, don't, I don't get this. This doesn't make sense. Oh, that. no. Yeah, dude. It was hideous. Oh, that's a nightmare. Right. So that's that was the third record. And then, you know, we left that label. So it sounds like you guys are all in like a, a good headspace with the... With Broke, yeah. That was kind of before... You know, obviously, or not so obvious, I had a falling out with Wes after Broke. Mm -hmm. um, and then I guess that turned into a falling out with uh, with uh, the drummer as well. Mm -hmm. They kind of connected, but not really, but kind of. But yeah, you know, it's that same old cliched story of a band that somehow doesn't get along, you know, when yeah. they're on the right path, you know. What were the, what were the similarities between you and... Uh, Wes with the four track and then to the second record. Are you guys still making full and then? Okay. Yeah, we were still working really tight uh, on the second record. Just mm. like, oh man, we were like, we were working, we had come up, right? The label had bought us like a digital multi-recorder. I think it was like 16 track. And 16 we would, tracks? Oh, uh, yeah, you, bro. You guys made it. <laughs> <laughs> and we would hang out all the time and um that's that's what brought broke together in, hmm. in contrast to after that then i couldn't i couldn't get him in the room with me at all he was having problems um whatever we were both having problems like so for the third record it's like we were never in the same room at the same time mm. it was Fuck. gnarly dude yeah it's always unfortunate man yeah it is but so what what were you thinking like when like when you hear that the riff for like bartender or like killing time like what what you, what, like what were you feeling and thinking? <laughs> okay, well, bartender is like that one. You know, there's a there's a kid, a guy by the name of Brian, mm -hmm. who um, was in a band with Jonathan Davis before Corn, like, and it was called like Sex Cult, Art, Sex Art Cult, or Sex Art, Sex right. Art, yeah. yeah. And so this kid was, his name was Brian, or no, was it Dennis the Menace? That was his name, Dennis. Okay, so he was a bass player in, with Jonathan Davis. Um, when I was writing Bartender, Dennis would come down to the studio and he gave me some really good tips. Really? Yeah, yeah. He'd be like, you need to, you need to get into the hook quick or your verse is too long or do this uh -huh. here so i just bring that up because it's like it's like yesterday when i remember bartender was done musically and i'm just sitting in the studio working on the vocals mm -hmm. um 
And you know what? It was kind of effortless, you know, in hmm. terms of just kind of came out and had a certain vibe. And, you know, it was just a song about me clubbing, which is what I was doing at the time, you know? Uh, and so that that whole record just came together pretty effortlessly, in my opinion. Hmm. You know, me and Wes working on tracks, getting a whole demo, then going to Jersey, recording those demos with the band, doing the vocals, just psh, no, no worries. Did you have any experience with uh, singing prior to that? No. That that day, nothing. No, I had I had experience um, in oration, uh, speaking like speaking like spoken poetry, spoken mm-hmm. word pieces, things like that. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I I didn't I didn't sing in the choir. or I wasn't in any other bands before this or anything. It was just you, just happens. Did you do the uh, spoken word poetry on stage? Um. Before that? Uh, in little tiny, like, you know, clubs and stuff like that. But no, you know, nothing nothing of substance, really. The first time I ever did anything big with spoken word was when I was on Deaf Poetry on HBO. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was my first time ever. And there was, a, and at that time, like, spoken poetry was a big thing. And, and like, mm-hmm. comedians do. They do, like, the circuits. And so uh i had one spoken word artist come up to me and he said uh so what what you know i've never seen you on the circuit before what clubs have you played and i said i'm a musician this is my first one he goes so you're doing your first one is hbo deaf poetry so you just play the super bowl without ever playing a game before and i said well i do this on stage in my shows um so i guess and they were just they did a prayer circle which you know i don't really care about but they didn't invite me which was like Okay, I see. You guys mm, yeah, are tribalistic. Yeah, sure, All right. It. So I had this uh, Capitol. I was on Capitol Records at the time, and uh, they had sent down somebody from publicity, and the guy saw it, and he got really offended. So he said, come here. Oh, Tim, come here, come here. He's like, play along. And he grabs my hands, and he's like, old dark lord Satan, we pray to you. you know, and then everybody in the room was like, oh, my God, she's a Satanist. And I'm like, you know, just to scare him. And, and you know, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty cool. I was like, are label guys doing this? Well, All right. Um, but prior to that, no, I, 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 I'd been on, I'd been on stages before I spoke at like, you know, rallies and, and did spoken word stuff and did ciphers like with hip hop and, uh, you know, battle ciphers, stuff like that. Little things. Cause that is, that just looks terrifying. It's, just, it's only you, like there's, that, there's no wall to hide behind. Like you don't, you know, you don't get a band behind you. You don't no. got nothing. It's, and it, it is because one, they only give you. Uh, I think two minutes and 33 seconds to, and they, but there's no clock. There's no clock provided. So um, most deaf was the host and most deaf, if, uh, if a lot of people don't know, he's this like legendary hip hop artist, legendary lyricist. And he's one of my favorite inspirations and he was the host. So I got to stand in the wings with him and I'm just thinking like, oh God, don't mess up, don't mess up. Most deaf is here, most deaf is don't here. Mess up. Don't screw up. And uh <laughs> I still do that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, me too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> me too. Um but it's a little more intimidating like when you're, you know, the guy's there, yeah, right? Right there. So he's standing there and then I walk out, they introduce me, I come out, and it's quiet as a church. And the stage is only about eight inches off the ground. So and the crowd goes around you so you go way out to the front of the stage but you got people behind you watching your back watching your sides watching your front people up there and it's just quiet right and then they've got the they got the the the, cam- the boom cameras that come down and they've got you know and somebody's working that and they've got the other cameras all in your face and you just 
you just got to get your yeah, <laughs> you just got to get your uh, get your poem in as quick as possible. And and when uh, I started again, like there was like a few giggles. Uh, to this day, um, uh, as long as Deaf Poetry was on air, I was the only rock artist to ever trans like transfer over into that world. And I'm very proud of that. But when, uh, yeah, so <laughs> there's most that's like me. Like, walks off. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like slapping most Deaf's hand, and he's like trying to whisper something in my ear. But I'm so like, like I'm what? full of adrenaline at that point. What do you say? He said that was so real, and then I was like, "Thanks, man!" And I just like ran <laughs> off stage as fast as I could. But like I said, I walk out. It's quiet. And it's like, uh, there's a few giggles and stuff in the audience, you know, and they're like, who is this girl, you know, this, wearing this, you know, skeleton hoodie or whatever. And I come out and I start doing this thing and it's, it's autobiographical. I mean, it's, uh, what I say in that poem actually happened, um, in my family and, um, Everybody was still kind of like, because I start off and I'm doing like this little rap. You have seven more seconds to decipher your life before my tongue becomes a knife and your brain gets sliced. And everybody's kind of like, what is that? What is that? And then I get to the point where I talk about like, you know, I was born, you know, I was born at seven months. I was born two months premature, um, three pounds, four ounces. And then I, I show why is because my uh, protein donor uh, uh, of the biological side, um, uh, tried to abort me, punched my mother three, three or four times in the stomach while I was, she was seven months pregnant. So I illustrate that on stage and you can see I'm about to do it. And the microphone is here. So I hit myself so hard. You hear a boom, 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 boom. And then it's like gasps oh, in the audience. <laughs> this is, this is intense. <laughs> yeah. Uh, welcome to my life. Yeah. So, um, there's gasps in the audience, and then there's, I can feel the tension lower, and I finish everything, and everybody's applauding. Most Dev comes out, and he's like, that's so real, and he actually, they stop it on this video. They stop it before he finished what he was saying. He was talking to the audience, like, that was so real, and he actually had a tear in his eye, and I was surprised because I didn't think, and like um, Black Thought from The Roots was on that show that night, and he came up to me afterwards as well, and uh, again, he's a, a lyricist that I'm really fond of, and he came up and he was just like, before the show, wouldn't talk to me, after the show, he's giving me pounds and dab and everything, and so uh, then all the poets were clapping, and before they were very standoffish, and uh, um it was it was an amazing experience. That that was really one of the highlights of my career. And, and I did it. It was in New York City, and I did a I had a show that night. So I went over to uh, to do the. Sh I, they brought a car. I went over, did the show, then went, drove back and did a sh did my show that had a night. Show that night. Yeah, you, the Webster Hall. You must have been just pumped with this adrenaline. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, they got a, New York got a great show that night. Because I was, I was really excited about it. I was really happy. I was really proud of myself because it's really hard to do that. It, um, a couple of the other poets who were, were much more experienced than me ran out of time. And so you have like the producer, Stan Latham, who's just a, an amazing human being. I'm still friends with him today. Um, you hear him come over like the voice of God. You know, he's like, you ran out of time. Cut. You do it again. And she's like, the, she's crying and, you know, they're getting her back together. And then she does it again. And, you know without 
you know, I, they should have put a clock up there. You know, that's what they should have done. So you know how much time you have left. And so because they tell you don't stop for applause. So even when I get like in a, a round of applause, I just you just keep talking because you don't want to get cut off. I don't want to do that whole thing over again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, that's like a one time thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. I can only imagine what you go through, like what. So what are you thinking about? And are you, because I because you even like talk about it with your which is performing with OTEP, mm-hmm. like you, you kind of re relive those, those moments. Yeah. Um, I thought I could merge the two. It was painful. It was a painful breakup. Um, and, uh, so painful that, uh, I didn't speak to you or Mitch or anybody for six years. And unfortunately the, uh, um, reason we, uh, um, did come back together was Mitch's passing. Um, still regret that very much. Um, I'd reached out to him because uh, a few months before he passed, he was injured. Go figure, right? Oh, yeah, his name was, oh, uh, yeah, you're right. Fell on stage or something. I don't know what happened, yeah. but I had seen like something on Lambgoat. I was like, oh, dear, I better, I better reach out to him. It's been long enough. And so I messaged him. I think it was on Facebook. Um, he never messaged back. And then a few months later saw the, well, I didn't see anything. Pat called me, our buddy Pat, um, old friend, Pat Ramirez, called me at work and told me the news. And then I saw you that night mm-hmm. outside of uh, John's tattoo shop. And we embraced, we cried hard, cried ugly. And uh, really weird because, you know, never thought that that would be the moment we'd reconnect. At a vigil. No. Or is that, did I pronounce that right? A vigil? Yeah, right. At a vigil. Um, it just, it goes to show, you know, don't wait, don't hesitate. Um, looking back, all of those things are so incredibly petty. Um, water under the bridge, um, you know, and uh, uh, don't take for granted the opportunity to apologize, recognize your faults, recognize where you could have been a better person. And, uh, you know, don't ever get to a position where, you know, you regret making that phone call or driving out to see somebody and just saying, hope you're okay. You don't have to be best friends. We wouldn't have been. But yeah, just to have the opportunity to check in and, and say, you know, I'm glad that you're doing well. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a, a rough time because, um, and it's it's, it's kind of funny and interesting to hear Rick talk about your like departure because for me it was personal, but I, I don't think it was personal because like it's like you're, it's like you're being abandoned, even though even though that if the decision is right, you're like why why is Rick leaving? Mm-hmm. You know, you felt like you were he abandoned. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. So that was like a weird, even though like you eventually came back and did uh, Mitch's memorial, which at that point might have been seven years. It was a long time. Hadn't spoken to any of you guys. We yeah, we only had spoken in six, maybe eight years. It was nuts. And I, I never thought that. I never, ever once l- like looked back. Um, you know, I wasn't playing uh, heavy music. I was going to school. I was in Northern California. I think Josh, you called me, somehow got my number because my number had changed several times. And um, yeah, I thought that was uh, pretty mind-blowing because Mitch had passed. And uh, kind of at the drop of a hat, I, you know, the call's happening and then I think it was just two weeks later that, you know, I, or I, I, don't, I don't really recall... Uh, how much time had passed between that call and then the actual memorial service. But that was, uh, yeah, that was, uh, 
it's like it, it's it's weird when you know you're yeah no even then even then when we got together obviously um you know things were chaotic because uh mitch is no longer alive but it in my mind that time was also chaotic because you know we hadn't talked in a long time and it it's not like we all of a sudden just were like oh, you know well, best friends. Yeah, yeah it, it wasn't was like, like that it was, it was like i gotta learn the music again uh mitch had passed everyone's kind of got you know um lots of things that they're contemplating yeah that was that was when we uh yeah all all reunited for that so and uh yeah at that point you know because i mean i've when you're a kid playing music, it's just like you are, you, you become close and good, good friends. And, you, you know, at that point, it's personal because to me, all of me, Rick's becoming one of my best friends. We're going to travel the world together and all this. So mm-hmm. when you leave, it's like, even though for you, it's very natural. It's like kind of in the back of my head, you know, it's like, well, shit, shit sucks. Well, yeah, I, mm-hmm. I never, yeah, it's, yeah, again, in my mind, I was, you were, you were like, was that, was that a rough time? You know, were we, was there animosity? I'm like, no, it was, I was just leaving. <laughs> and, and in Chris's Fuck. mind, you're sharing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah funny. never knew that. And, and Josh was even worse. Cause I mean, Josh definitely, um, like you were, you were one of my best friends at that, at that point, you know, it's like, it was you, um, uh, you, Mitch, uh, David Ingram, tried to help my coat. He's like, I have like, you know, you, you only have a few. You know, it's like once you're leaving, it's like what? Because mm-hmm. yeah, that's a that's a I, yeah. No, we didn't talk. You know, I lost one of my best friends. You know, and then you know we don't talk for six fucking years. We go from like yeah, we're we're buddies, and then you don't talk or even see someone for years. Coworkers, family, Co- friends, yeah. the homies. Yeah, um, you know. It's probably terrible for, I mean, all, at both sides, you know. Well, sure. Again, it's, as I mentioned earlier, it's hard. Most bands, at least in our experience, in our, you know, um, little musical world, most bands start as friends. Mm-hmm. And so the tension that's created between friendships mingling with musicianship, mingling with writing, and then the schedule and competing time, competing interest. A new member a new member joining like a manager, you know, that mm. there's new dynamics that yeah. get introduced. Yeah. Um, and and again, if you Jerry was in the right in terms of I think he saw the potential and he was that that hand, the, the moving things forward and knowing that if you guys wanted to be this, you needed to get someone who was all in, right? What was yeah. that? Oh, yes, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, he was the uh, enforcer for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and it's, I think, if anything, it's, it's advice from people to learn from that sometimes um, there, there are very few things that are truly special that you don't sacrifice for. There's always an element of sacrifice, no matter what. And it's about establishing, sometimes it's a harder journey than, uh, than not, but it's establishing your values, your personal values, and mm-hmm. looking back in hindsight and appreciating you know, your decisions, good or bad, but appreciating them for how they have molded you. you know, we're just pieces of wood gliding through the lathe of life and little by little those microscopic nicks shape us um 
Mark had even, I saw Mark at Chain Reaction, I think, a few months after the breakup, and he was so nice, and he was trying to reach out to me, and I shut him down. Mm. I was totally mean to him. We've, of course, Sorry, since, how long ago was that? Well, this is, well that's uh, uh, like 2006. Okay. So uh, shortly about, after the breakup. Got it, yeah. got it. I, it wasn't yeah. clear to me. So since then, of course, uh, you know, um, things have been um, patched up. and um, <laughs> But again, it, it really revealed to me that... Um, you know, a lot of that was me being the a-hole, mm. you know. But again, you late teenagers, early 20s. Um, Come on, man. It's tough. <laughs> so you've done acid. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. How does that? Okay. So so you're, you're talking to someone that's never done acid. And never really? Done acid, um, never done heroin. So, that's, that's good. Okay. <laughs> good. Do it, don't do heroin. It's okay. a terrible drug. Okay. What does that do for you? Like as far as like 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 your plane? Like what? Like does that like when is, you're on acid? Uh, so are you doing it? And then like okay, the next day, okay, I'm gonna just riff. Like what's that? How does that affect affect your plane and writing? Well, you're definitely going to a different mental mindset. That's for sure. I mean, because huh. I've played on acid before. Oh my goodness. And. I've had great experiences, and I have had terrible experiences. <laughs> like, uh, there's a couple of times when I just, I, like, walking on stage, and it was, like, hitting me. And it felt like the guitar strings were just, like, stretching off of the deck, like a kind of like a piece of yarn, like a, like an elastic. Like, you could just pull it off, and I was like, what the hell is happening? And, like, the stage lights felt like they were going through my body. Back <laughs> <laughs> then, stage lights did. Man. Those yeah. lights were so They were real light. They were actual hot. Those cans are so expensive. So hot. Yeah. Yeah. Damn, this God, lights dude. going to my fucking body right now. <laughs> Bruce. Yeah, it's, what? it's uh, weird shit happens. I, I don't uh, recommend playing on acid. In front of people. Okay, we're not. We're definitely not going to advocate it. I would like to. You know, try it. But, I mean, <laughs> advocate it one hundred percent. If you're just sit, not on stage. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 would, I would suggest sitting. Like if you're in a good mood and you feel like writing some stuff, take some acid and see what happens. Okay. Don't try to do that in front of people when you're trying to do something responsible. Because like, I, yeah, because like uh, I'm, I'm sure you're in a different. You're in a crazy like other state of being and you have other humans look at you that that sounds fucking weird like i i, I can't even smoke weed and play because I, I could just like i probably freak out when like this all oh, these humans are like they're like here and they're in the same room and they they paid money and they're like looking at us it's weird <laughs> you know yeah, but like when i would take acid while i was playing it was almost like i could only see half of the people like the, from the from like the chest down like, I couldn't really focus on anybody's faces. It was always just like a That's big good. black cloud over everybody's heads. It was weird. Wow. So, I mean, are you just trying to, like, compose yourself? It's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play this riff, dude. And, you know, <laughs> even though this is like a fucking shoestring. <laughs> yeah, you know? shit's falling off the neck. I don't know what's happening right now. But, yeah, I'm going to try and not <laughs> freak myself out, you know. What did you think happened after? Like, I, I killed it. <laughs> I, don't even think, I don't even think I realized I played after. I just kind of kept going. Wow, that's a interesting way to. Oh, I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I, I just got you off. I think I just got off the stage, packed up all my stuff, and just kept going with the trip. 
You just kept going. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you, you, you didn't even process it. Yeah. You're wrapping a cable and it just takes you like an hour. That definitely <laughs> happens. Turns into a snake. <laughs> turns into, yeah. This is like a cable of life, dude. <laughs> Probably some weird shit like that happened. Yeah. What year? Uh, what year is this, Jay? Is the is, is there a date on this? What year? I think that's maybe ninety five. Ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah, it was close. I mean, what? Because I mean, just your state alone. Is this like a like the bands and the music coming up? But you have like you know you guys. You have Slim and Green. Like what? And just has like this the sound to it. It's like uh, I, I was. Uh, I, I had to stop when I was driving up here. It's like. Anyone that any band that came from there just hit chords differently. Just there's a something there's something to the voice that sound nothing like any other band, but the even in their voice, there's just something to it. It's just different, you know. It's like it, what what was that? Acid. <laughs> Everybody taking drugs. I'm trying not to laugh. I'm sorry. That's that I'm not being professional right now. <laughs> I, I don't is know. We, we, I think it's just the attitude of the people down there. It's different than anywhere else. You could choose how far deep you want to go into it, uh-huh. but uh, you went to South Africa and met, I met with the shaman, correct? Holy shit. I was like, wait a minute. What the fuck are we talking about here for a second? And then I remember the lore. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Hit me I'm with it. From, I, need a, I need the okay. reminder. Yeah. Okay. So what did you think about on ayahuasca? And then at what <laughs> point did any... I guess to, to I ain't never I, done ayahuasca. I was just fucking with you. Are you serious? Literally, ninety percent of the shit I was it. fucking saying on that tour, like this out of like a crazy ass lore, I intentionally was like, because that's but maybe not all of it. You got to bring it up. You got to bring it up. You, you were he was abducted by aliens. Because some of it's true. Some of it. You got me, dude. I fucking <laughs> fuck you guys. Dude. <laughs> no, okay. Some of the, so some of those stories oh, are riddled with some God. truth. I thought you were fucking serious. <laughs> no, hold up. So so tell them about the DMT. I've been out 12 minutes past Trump. fucking mama tired, yes, man. Yes, yes, yes. I, I was like, let's go. No, okay, 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 it wasn't okay, ayahuasca. It was close, though. Close. It wasn't ayahuasca. Dick, it was DMT. You know okay. what I'm saying? And DMT. I had an experience meeting creator okay. is what I felt. So okay, and that actually was a real thing. Like I said, it's sprinkled with truth. I, but I just I don't, exaggerated I don't want to the shit anymore. out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Not, hey, bro. It's I did some lies. fucking. Uh, I hit a point where I needed to uh, see dick. my own shaman. <laughs> no, I'm being serious. I had to meet my own shaman okay. and have my own ceremony. Me and my wife went through the ceremony together. It was a beautiful experience. Um, I learned a lot. How I feel from my experience. I found a new appreciation for life. Um, didn't last long, <laughs> but uh, it was uh, it was something that was definitely detrimental to me actually giving a shit and continuing with music because I was done. You were done. Yeah, I was done, bro. I was done with everything. That was like, about, that was about that time. It was that time. I, yeah, I already know. I was done, bro. I was gonna be done with music. I wasn't gonna be doing this shit no more. I was gonna. I was going to give the rest of these guys the 900 that we had in our account and call it a fucking day. Let's <laughs> <laughs> think thinking about getting rid yeah, of gear. Right now. Wow. Yeah. And I, I just hit a point where I needed a, a tune-up, and um, oh, it definitely tune-up's tuned me a good up, way to say it. A tune-up is a really good way to say it. So yeah. like I said, it's, it's, riddled, with, it's riddled with truth. Part of it is I just told you in a funny-ass way. I said that motherfucker's never been to South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. Hell no. I, thought, I was like, definitely not. <laughs> he said, damn, this is about to Austin be the deep part a... of the interview. Uh, about I'm, to get I'm from. Austin's from South Africa. Al- Austin's from South Africa. <laughs> Say it right now. What's that song we listened to earlier? <laughs> 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 you fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, God. Great. I don't know, man. You may hate us, but this is honestly us. Like, <laughs> 24 hours a fucking day. No, this is great. It's, uh, this is this is your fucking band, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. So would you would you uh, contribute DMT to really maybe like giving a new perspective? Like, okay, I, I love I, I love music. I'm not gonna fucking. Uh, it helps with it, it helped helps. with our. That's what riffs. I was gonna say. I was gonna say. Every, it definitely helped with me. I feel like every musician is like, yeah, I'm gonna quit. Or, can't. I feel like once you're a musician, that's I was in done, your brain. Bro. There's no way, bro. At that point in time, I was fucking. You could take done. a break. You take a long ass hiatus. That was the end of that. the band that shall not be shit. named. So. Yep. And that's where that was. I love that band. Oh yeah. Fuck that fucking that band. band. Darth the, band. The, uh, that band saved my life. <laughs> it saved my life. <laughs> it saved my life. It saved my life. It's funny how you have a feeling, but someone else have a completely different feeling about yeah. that. That's funny, huh? That's life. Yeah. It's kind of stupid. <laughs> I wish we could all just see it as a fucking band for what it was and call it a fucking day. Fuck that shit. Yeah. So Joe, you did. Uh, you had a uh, experience. Uh, on accident. <coughs> on accident. <coughs> Twice on purpose. One on accident. Say the accident first, because oh, this is accident. a fucked up ass story. Accident. Damn it. Y'all went. On, y'all were on tour. That was the OTM <coughs> giveaway tour, right? You got home from. That was because we. So we started this. Week long tour with one of my old metalcore bands here. Fuck no. Here. Fuck hit no. it. Fuck no. I'm gonna light my own. You wanna hit it? <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. Dude, we, I shouldn't have tried so we went on this, this. We did this week long run with um, Dee's old band. I was in a metalcore band. We took a car that did not have heat in the middle of winter time up to like Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So inside of the car was like 12 ah, degrees, like constantly. Like we were dead Fuck sick. We were that. like driving on the road. I'm not even joking. Like consider just running the car off the road because that <laughs> seemed like better than chilling and driving in that cold ass car. And just like it was that cold. Literally, it was that cold. But I just come home and um, went to the dispensary. I was like, okay, I'm home. I'm gonna get some weed. I'm gonna chill. Uh, I had a gravity bong there that I made before I left. I got back and there's a new gravity bong. The GB. A different one. I'm like, cool. Okay, maybe Evan with my homie Evan. Shout out. Uh, shout out back I, I thought he just made a new uh, gravity bong. So I was like, okay, cool. Let me pack a bowl. And I didn't know that that was a ceremony bong, uh, gravity bong for doing DMT ceremonies. Yes, sir. And you know where this is going. Packed it, fucking took a fat rip, crucial blew it out, and then the lights hit and it just went... Could you fucking imagine? But I didn't know... gravity bong for a minute? Let's talk about gravity bongs or drugs. But for the first 20 seconds, I'll say, I thought I hit like meth or like just some something because I didn't know what it was. And I was like, okay, that was not weed. And then since I've done it before, I was like, that was a DMT. That's not good. And I was sick, so I just like curled up in a ball on the couch for like twenty minutes. Pupils and... dropped yeah. quick. Mine was a uh, acid. Yeah, for sure. I fucked my head up. I shit burnt a hole. Yeah, a hole where? In the brain. In the, your brain? Yeah. In the right place. Yeah. <laughs> in the, in Is the that medulla a? That's a long ass story. No, that's just a lifetime of a uh, you know not a lifetime but a time of doing drugs, and then not doing drugs for so so long. Yo, shout out being uh, actually like really, really drug free, but still smoking hell. It's weed. cool to have good homies because mm-hmm. I was doing coke a lot, and I loved coke. But like one day I was in the apartment with like ten homies, and everybody like one dude stood up off coke and he's like, "Yo, let's just stop doing coke." And everybody said, "Hooray!" <laughs> <laughs> Finally, someone said it. Who would say that? That actually, that's a real story. Who would say? And I was like, hell yeah, all right. Same thing, like, <coughs> we used to smoke cigarettes. Yeah. And then Soto was like, yo, we're just going to quit. And then we did. Me, him, and my wow, wife, man. Emily. All three of us wow. quit at the same Dude. fucking time. Put the cigarettes down. I hear that 
quitting cigarettes is one of the hardest things to give up. How did you do it? I don't know, man. Touch screen vape. You ever try to quit yeah. fast food? Touch screen vape. Just swapping, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just swapping it for another vice. I'm sorry. But, I'm probably still going to try and pass it to you. Yeah, let me tell you all something. The hardest shit to quit is like, like soda is the worst drug there is. That is That's the, the hardest thing to, to stop quit. drinking, yeah. Yep. Caffeine. Caffeine's tough. Caffeine. Toast corn syrup. Yep. <laughs> you got some so right many there. GMOs. Mm. I, I want I that a, purple stuff. Yeah. Trying to lean back solo. Yep. Shut up, please, free Devo. Chris, you got it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Shout out, Chris. Who? Oh yes, yeah, shout. Devo. Hair go crazy. Two. I fucks with that. Yeah. Fire. Thank you. Do you have many juggalos in here? That the Bagos, dude. Jesus. Bago <laughs> is in the house, dude. Tastes good. That's cool. Literally man. pure drugs. It's pure sugar. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh my god. First ingredient, boom. <clears throat> High fructose go. corn so syrup. I heard they used to pair them up with a bottle of deodorant at the local grocery store. I wish that was a thing. I heard they stopped. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a thing? Oh shit! <laughs> I don't want to believe anymore, exactly, dude. Exactly. I'm fucked up. Why is there not ever this been whole a death thing's metal fucked up? Ninety percent of it, it's probably gonna be some bullshit. Okay, yeah. all right. That's fine. No, we'll tell you what's true. We'll tell you. Exactly.